and we're recording. Uh, thank you, Sandra, for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Like I was just telling you earlier, but I'm, I want to get it on record as well. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've uh, been looking forward to this chat for a while. Been trying to set it up for a while. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And yeah, thank you for organizing it. Absolutely, having me. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I mean it's my pleasure. I want to uh, I want to quickly introduce you to uh, to whoever's listening and uh, just say you know who we our guest of honor for the day is uh, Sandra Becker and uh, she's uh, she she was my professor in IE University for data visualization uh, a f- fascinating subject which i truly enjoyed uh, i truly enjoyed her class and, uh, she's a career academic uh, teaching in uh, quite a few universities now i've i've i did mm-hmm. your linkedin and i see you're you're teaching at four four different universities if i'm not wrong yeah, I mean it's not all the time in parallel, but uh-huh. yes, I I start now also at a new uni- uh, university in Finland, which is a positive outcome of the virus okay. because more and more online teaching is possible. So yeah, I do actually remember us discussing the virus in uh, in class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> discussing, uh, visualizing it, and potentially what would it look like if this pandemic shifted towards uh, uh, Europe? Well, I guess uh, well, those words came true. <laughs> but, yes, uh, incredible. Also, yes. Very interestingly, uh, in your background, I also see you. You've dabbled in uh, the cryptocurrency scene, something I've uh, recently, uh, recently got into, and yeah. uh, I'm hoping that we can touch upon that. Uh, touch upon that later in the in the conversation but uh, but yes mm-hmm. uh, i did see that you have a, a master's degree in marketing and statistics and was just extremely curious what was that journey like to from that background as you transitioned towards data visualization and being an expert in that field mm-hmm. um yeah i studied basically uh, economics and my main subjects were statistics and marketing uh-huh. Um, which at this time was a very common thing to do. Like Mm. a lot of people were studying economics, but statistics was still really new. Not so many people were actually, machine learning was not really what it is today. Mm -hmm. Um, And after this this degree, I started working at Nielsen, market research company as an analyst and a, a modeler. That was the name at this time. And we did a lot of statistical modeling. And I would say the job that today a data scientist is doing. Uh Um, And I worked then for several companies in London and Madrid. And at some point um, when the, the start of big data came, I was able to, to choose basically between uh, data science Uh, the thing you had to go to the next step let's say and uh, I was introduced to data visualization by a colleague at this time I worked for Telefonica Uh and I got just fascinated by it straight away because for me what I liked so much is that it combines the the area of data and analytics and the more rational part with Mm -hmm creativity, design, human perception, which is a more mm, maybe social aspect or right. a bit more uh, 
not so rational, more emotional aspect. And I really love the combination. So I choose, I want to focus only on data visualization. Perfect. Yeah, that's already six yeah. years ago or seven years. <laughs> so actually, uh, it's, I do remember during, uh, in your class, you talked about the increasing uh, uh, relevance of data journalism and having experts in the visualization field itself. And mm -hmm. uh, this brings me to actually a very fundamental uh, question that I had, and uh, which I think really uh, is what is what restricts me from being, uh, you know, jumping head on into this field is you do require a certain creative flair when it comes to creating visualization, right? Yeah. Do you think this is a skill that can be learned or is it inherent? Oh, yeah. Or do you need yeah. that, uh, that just that creative flair to be able to get it done? No, no. I think what you need, uh, and not only in this field, I think in general is if you really want something, if you want to learn it, if you want to work with it, you will get it at some point. This is like, because for example, I remember when I started, uh, you, you know, and a lot of people know how much I love D3 today, the uh -huh. JavaScript library. Yeah. When I started, it looked like a huge mountain I'm never able to climb because I came from such a different background. Right. And yeah, and then you just, you learn it. And the same is true with design. They are like, for some people that have never touched design or, or human perception or user experience, it seems like everything is very uh, just creative and just a crazy mind creating right. these wonderful stories. But the truth is there are also clear rules behind it. There's a clear science behind it and you can learn this. And then you learn actually the most you learn by just um, seeing what other people are doing and seeing what is working and what is not working. Like right. Right. using examples, you will always get there. If you have motivation and time and effort, I, I think uh, everyone can reach it. Uh, it's nothing. You are not born with a creative mind or you're not. This is, I don't think. I mean, yeah. some people have more taste or learn quicker, of course, but everyone can learn this. Yeah, because sure. I used to, uh, when uh, for some, uh, some of the projects, I used to struggle with... Uh, uh, coming up with my own, I, I used to think it, it, it required me to come up with my own visualization. But then once you mm -hmm. get out there and check the, and see what the community is building, and you have so many such various examples out there, uh, mm -hmm. that makes it so much easier. Then it's just a matter of understanding what fits the, the story, I suppose. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the typical uh, beginner's mistake, let's say, is also... Uh, to be the most creative in the beginning, like try everything at once right, and make right. everything different than uh -huh. all the others. And then it will just really, in, in most cases, it would totally go wrong. So uh -huh. my advice, and maybe you remember in class, start with a simple visualization. Start really with something really easy, basic, clean, and then add step by step. Um, complexity and maybe some design changes but it's always good to start from a really small uh, exercise and then grow from there instead of saying I will do the most inspiring visualization that will never been seen on this planet before and then it will just be like a 
like a, a flash of colors and normally it's yeah. a pain for the eyes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what, what's your, what's your red flag when you see a visualization? Uh, how do you, what's your immediate red flag that tells you this is good or bad? What are those? Um, red flag is when there's a lot of chart chunk. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, should I explain what chart chunk actually is? Yeah. Why not? I mean, I'm sure there are some people listening who don't. Yeah. So when you have on a visualization, a lot of information visual that doesn't help you to, to actually detect the pattern in the data, uh-huh. you get a lot distracted um, and you have like uh, a lot of information that is only um, be able to process by a cognitive effort. So for example, having a lot of labels is normally uh, a problem. Not because the information is not important, but because when we see numbers, when we see words, we don't perceive them intuitively, but we have to read them. And in the moment we read, we don't uh, see anymore the pattern. We are in a different uh, state. We are reading information, we are processing the information, and we are not checking the, the visual encoded information anymore. So I think one of the biggest problem, and still not really uh, informed the, a lot of people about is this um, having everything labeled and everything with is uh, information overload on the right. visualization right. itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I'm curious, like, what what do you think is? Uh, do you think the the having a background in business and having a a footing in that world helps with creating more immersive and more uh, useful visualizations having a background in business or mm-hmm. uh, why i'm asking mm-hmm. because you, you, you yeah because you do have that right you you did come with the masters in in marketing uh, apart from statistics itself do you think mm-hmm. having that understanding mm-hmm. is, is a, it, yeah if i'm very honest here like um the statistics part helped me a lot uh-huh. that i learned from scratch everything uh, because you had to at university you had to know exactly when you do a cluster analysis you had to know every function every step you do so you you get very used to data that Uh was extremely useful the things i've learned in marketing i think because it's such a fast-paced world marketing and that what you learn in university is often already behind. Well, in, in the public, <laughs> old school ones, let's say. Um, and uh, um, yeah, it's maybe interesting in terms of topics and how to deal with different themes and the content, the uh-huh. storytelling part is maybe based more on this type of knowledge. But I think more important is to learn how to work with data because this is very challenging. So, you uh, know this, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I, mm. I, I, I was just curious. Uh, so when you started off with visualization, you, you, you also used D3? Or was there something else at that time which was a little more uh, uh, prominently used? Yeah, of course, like in the, in the corporate world, uh, uh-huh. especially in the past, uh, Tableau, was very widely spread, uh-huh. um, which is a tool 
where you basically um, you don't program you just uh, choose your visualization uh, and and everything is kind of already done for you uh-huh. um, I personally just didn't like very much working with this tool because I felt um, often I had an idea and in the moment I start working with the tool my idea was not able to it was just straight away I got recommended other visualizations that were actually not what I wanted and I got lost and I don't want to criticize Tableau but for me personally it was just not what I wanted or what I felt was useful which in the end is, as you know, detecting patterns. Right, I felt right. I'm sometimes too long lost in the tool, just uh-huh. trying to get what I actually wanted to do instead of um, having a clear goal, finalizing it, and then being able to use the visualization to detect patterns or to tell a story or something like this. And um, yeah, and then there's, of course, there's like Python and R and a lot of programs programming languages or packages have their own visualization part. Nowadays, uh, it's, it's uh, more focusing. It's, uh-huh. You can see that, uh, like, basically, these are the four. And you have then these click tools, like Tableau was the first, but now we right. know there are a lot other tools that right. have the same philosophy, let's say. Uh-huh. Um, and then you also have new, new programming tools. It's like... Mm-hmm. In a way, it's also getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The, yeah. Wouldn't would, yeah. you say, just to play devil's advocate, wouldn't you say uh, it's good that we have things like these, uh, uh, like Tableau, software like Tableau, because it makes it a lot more accessible, right? Mm-hmm. Of, uh, yeah. It, I remember deeply. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. was, it, it is, uh, as, as I think you defined it uh, at best, it's completely uphill before it starts mm-hmm. plateauing and gets gets easier but it's uh, it's a very daunting approach yeah it's um so the thing is what i always appreciate and this you also have when you when you actually do visualizations with d3 but also with r or with another programming language is you learn in the same moment where you learn to use these languages you also learn what it means to visualize Right. And this I really like. It's like uh-huh. you learn what, if I want to add color, uh-huh. what do I actually need to do in the back to right. add color? I need to find a variable. I need to define my color scale. I need to say, is it continuous? Is it, is it discrete? I need to understand the whole background knowledge. And because I know how it was created, I later on also can easier, in my opinion, it's easier to interpret also the result. Whereas like sometimes in these click tools, you're so disconnected from what you actually do mm-hmm. that um, the result might surprise you a lot when you then click on things and you're like, oh, what does this now mean? I don't know. It's like, uh, and yes, I agree. It's good to have these click tools. And I, I think it's great because nowadays we have more and more. There's also data wrapper. I don't know uh-huh. if you have heard of them. They created a click tool, which I found far more um, accessible. And basically it goes in line what it means to visualize and not it gives you a result, which is maybe totally the opposite of what you wanted. 
but that's uh, personal preferences maybe. But there are like click tools exactly for what you are saying because sometimes we need to check first, fast, what is the distribution, what is the correlation, what is, right. we need right. this, these tools too. But then in order to make an ad hoc and personalized approach, uh -huh. um, yeah, it's like a D3 or nowadays we have observable notebook. Um, yeah. So how, how fast better. is this area of uh, data science evolving or moving? Are we are we stagnant when it comes to visualizations and uh, new forms? Are we or are we steadily progressing? <laughs> where are we in that? Uh, where are we mm -hmm. in right now? Where do you think we are? You mean data science or data visualization? Data visualization. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I feel that data visualization is is kind of um, having a nice moment, let's say, the whole field, uh -huh. because there was a long period where it was a bit of a niche thing and only a few people were very good at it and a lot of people were using it kind of as, okay, we have to. At the uh -huh. end, we have to do some visualization because we cannot live without. And now there is this moment, I can also see this in the job offers, where more and more companies see this as a standalone um, position and right. field and the power is so big if you do it right you uh -huh. can it's incredible what you can achieve with it both on the explorative side so being a data scientist and wanting to to detect patterns just in order to to create a good model right. or being on the other side being a user and wanting to understand my product, my whatever, and also in the journalism world, where you right. want to transmit news in a very yeah. fast and accurate way. So it's, it's, a, it's a moment for this field where it gets mainstream, I feel. Like very, there are a lot of corporates also now looking for data visualization. It's an emerging role, is it? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, very very interesting so would would you say that like uh, to fill the uh, fill that position or be successful in that that uh, niche which is now growing uh, mm -hmm. would a person need to uh, necessarily have training as a data scientist or can you have someone come in without say the formal training of a data scientist and still yeah still of course exist? of course i think there's like, um, because the, the knowledge you need to know or that you need to have in order to do a good visualization is so broad uh -huh. that it depends from where you come. Like, if you come from data science, it's great because you know data, you know statistics, you know all the programming languages normally, so you have a lot of uh, advantage on this side. But okay. often... I don't want to criticize, but often data scientists are not so good with the creative part. So uh -huh. they, they lack the knowledge of design, of, of user experience, of, of uh, human perception, knowledge and all this. So their designers uh -huh. have all the knowledge, but they miss the data programming. And then you have also people um, that come more from the uh, content side, let's say, what you were also saying, maybe marketing or journalists or people that just really know how to tell a story, how to mm -hmm. get the right topics and, and they have to learn all the data parts. 
So it depends from where you come. You have to learn different things. Uh -huh. But the knowledge is so... You need to know... For good visualization, you need to know nearly all of this. Uh -huh. And no one knows all of this at an excellent level or just very, very few. So a rare few people who can, who can contribute across. A... <laughs> yes, and they are often the, the, the freelancers in this world that are like so successful. Like uh -huh. you have some faces that are really good in programming, statistics, in design, in telling stories. You have a few that are actually able to do this all on their own. Uh-huh. But I think it's also good to have a team. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. When you were when you're talking mm. about these multiple disciplines, then eventually from one role, this is going to be a dedicated team of people who are uh, mm -hmm. working in tandem to create this. Yeah. Uh, so I I actually had a very uh, interesting thought when uh, when I was thinking about uh, what we you know our conversation. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now, visualizations are used for consuming information, right? Like you mentioned, data journalism, where mm -hmm makes it a very easy way for us to understand a, perhaps a complex amount of data and sort of consume that in like a chart or a, within one flow. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, apart from this, just like understanding information or consuming information, what do you think about uh, visualization when it comes to education itself? Uh, oh, perfect. You... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, go is on, go it, on, please. please yeah, I'd love yeah. This. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Like yeah. there is, um, there is a field. It's called algorithm with. Okay. So you basically use visualization to explain algorithms, ah, and okay. this is even used in schools now. Like typical knowledge that we have to learn when we are young, like. I yeah. don't know, cosinus and sinus, for example. There's a visualization that explains exactly what this means uh -huh. instead of seeing a function that's so abstract you cannot right. relate with. Uh, it's a whole field now uh, on its own. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh, because, and very powerful. Yes. When you, when you talked about algorithm, it, it reminded me of the example that you had shared with us where we had a machine learning. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure you, you're, you, you know what I'm talking about. The, yeah. Uh, the website that visualizes how a model works and how you, mm. yes. Uh, but, uh, but it's very interesting because I was thinking about it in terms of uh, children who mm -hmm. consume a lot of information visually or have, mm -hmm. have more potential to consume or, you know, learn things through a visual medium. And yeah. do you see that becoming a huge part of the curriculum or how education, uh, do you think that evolution is going to happen or it's something that needs to be uh, forced in? Still <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it will come naturally because it's so powerful. And you already see this. Uh, I mean, I'm not in this field in particular, but I know from what I'm reading and seeing that it is used in schools, like right. visualization right. of of um, of algorithms, but also of complex models. Of yeah, of course, because it's it just makes perfect sense, right? Uh, yeah, like yeah. you look at it, you understand it. Uh -huh. um, why should we go the hard way when there's a, a small, uh, um, a easy intuitive, way? Intuitive way to consume that information. Absolutely. But what is very, very hard and very challenging is to create this content. Yes. That's, that's something yeah. that's always overseen that in order to do a visualization that the user is, doesn't matter if it's children or adults will consume very easily. Uh -huh. It's often very hard work for the creator. Because yes. this 
has to think so much right, in right. all the different uh, aspects that I mentioned before, like uh, design, human yeah. perception. Like a holistic view when it comes to creating that. Mm-hmm. Do, you, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's interesting. I don't think there's any, uh, or maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe mm-hmm. not informed as informed as I should be, but uh, <laughs> I don't think there's like a, any big player in that space right now who's sold any company that's solely focusing on uh, providing uh, visualizations, is there? Uh, or are there? Um, like corp, if you talk about corporates, uh-huh. No, not as I know, but there are a lot of agencies, like you have a lot of small visualization studios or like uh, even pudding, you remember maybe they also offer this uh, right, uh, right. service and you have a lot of smaller, um, yeah, not really companies, maybe companies, but smaller and they offer this service to visualize your data and to tell your stories visually. Uh-huh. This you have a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. You have smaller agencies who, who do this. So uh, apart from education, uh, where do you see uh, visual, which are the, I don't know if this makes sense, but what are the industries do you think will have, you know, have a lot more of visualization now being an important part of, uh, hmm. important part of their work itself? That's a good question. Um, I think, or I hope also, as we live in times mm-hmm. where we know certain things on this planet are not so well mm-hmm. talking for example also about the environmental crisis it would uh-huh. be great to use visualization here to detect more patterns right. that lead to the problems and how i would actually okay that's again yeah, my personal but it would be very nice if ngos or you know like greenpeace or like this kind of would use more data also and show this visually to the public uh, what's going on in the world and how can we make a change. It's happening. You can mm-hmm. see this. Uh, yeah. There are more and more visualization appearing. For example, what is, what is causing the biggest um, damage? Is it food? Is it, is it traveling? What is it? Like you see more and more uh, this topic becoming uh, like also visually represented uh, in form of data. But I would like that this that visualization is more used in this kind of um, global problem solving. Right. Something that makes it very accessible, right? Takes a complex yeah. problem and makes it very uh, easy to for any layman to look at it and think, uh, see the pattern. I suppose. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we've seen, and I'm sure you've 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 seen it a, a lot more uh, up close than you know we have the this drastic mm-hmm. shift of people's usage pattern to going from from a desktop to a laptop to now a smaller to your mobile right consuming a lot of information there now mm-hmm. this has obviously has a lot of ramifications when it comes for visualization and data journalism itself right mm-hmm. so, do, do you think uh, uh, do you think it's adapted well enough are we still evolving to catch up with this with this fact that a lot of people are now consuming content from their phones in terms mm-hmm. of visualization, uh, yeah. how do you think that's going to, how do you think that shift is going to affect it? Hmm. Um, I mean, we already have this, that uh, a lot of visualization, they have to be uh, like uh, checked on all different types of, of advice um, devices. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. I feel still 
if we really want to analyze something in detail, mm -hmm. most of us are still using a bigger screen in order to do it. Not only because maybe the visualization is not so good on the phone, but also because if we really have to spend more time, it's just also more friendly for, for us, for our eyes, for our whole to be. I think yeah. most content, if it's very dense content, is still used in a screen, I think. Uh, but who knows in the future, yeah, the phone, especially with the touching, Uh -huh. possibility to have touch screen and all this this can also be included in visualization and will of course yeah everything that's possible in in UX and um not UX in uh, front end uh -huh. will at some point be included in visualization because it's kind of it's the screen of visualization is front end so if we have new developments there they will come maybe a bit later to visualization as well Right. So, um, just like this is this the, this next question is a little vague, but I'll I'll preface <laughs> it with why I'm asking it. But um, how long do you think a person? What is an average time that uh, a person should spend at a visualization? And the reason I'm asking this is because we've seen this shift of, especially with the coming generations, everyone's mm. consuming uh, content and video and everything in short formats, right? Yeah. Especially with Instagram and all of that. It's 50 seconds, yeah. 60 seconds. Yeah. Nobody has patience for anything more than that. Yeah. Now, what do you think is now like I, I and I and I totally understand your reasoning of, uh, uh, you know, when you need comp when you need to absorb a lot of information, you need to take some time, you need to look at it in mm -hmm. a screen and all of that. But, but uh, don't you find this is also something a very worrying, not a worrying trend, but it's something that needs that uh, visualization and our charts and our uh, concepts need to adapt to really quickly. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess first it depends also a lot on uh, the general objective. Like right. if, if your need is, I need to know something really fast and just this, that's uh -huh. it. I need uh -huh. to know something. Then uh -huh. give me a chart that gives me this as fast as possible. But then also visualization in itself has become a tool of entertainment. So there are also a lot of visualization you actually like It's a bit like watching a movie or something like yeah. this. You like to engage with it. You like to play around with it. You like to uh, check out this and then this and, and see where this goes. So, or like a game maybe even. So there uh -huh. I think the objective is not that, it's that the user sees something fast and leaves. It's actually make it so engaging that uh, it's the user like to be there and spend more time there and discovering things basically. So this is more the explorative part of the visualization. And uh, I, if you ask me if I'm worried, yes, I am worried because um, a lot of the things that are actually happening, you will not see in a millisecond. So mm -hmm. if, if we have a generation that cannot even take some time to understand things, I'm worried that the real complexity of our world, which uh -huh. is just a fact, will be overseen because right. we just want everything fast and quick. Uh, then we, we will not see what's actually happening uh, because we don't even ask for it. So I, but I assume normally trends, there's always an anti-trend. Uh -huh. So we, I think we also already reached maybe even the, the limit of 
fast and quick and everything. We have saturated that aspect. Yeah, yeah. I feel there is also a trend Uh in society saying actually, I mean, this is a bit off topic, but also like meditation, all this is kind of the anti-trend, right? Right, I want to take my time and this will also come like, no, actually I want to do whatever I'm doing and the same with visualization. I want to do it in a proper way and not just as fast as I can. Absolutely. I think uh, also with this lockdown and this whole pandemic, that's also become a huge, uh, huge factor, right? Now people are talking about taking their own time and uh, doing a lot of, yes, absolutely. Which is good also for our brain. Yes. (laughs) There are so many studies that say that if we constantly have content that is just uh, changing in front of our eyes, we will kind of get stupid at some point because we are not used to uh, and we see this, we, we are not used to concentrate, to, to uh-huh. go deeper into one topic. And um, yeah, I think it's maybe a moment, but uh, at some point there will be also again a demand for more uh, deeper knowledge, deeper content. And, right. Yeah. And so, engage also. Yeah. yeah. So one one super big question which is i think probably the hardest one that uh-huh. uh, is <laughs> that i'm going to pose is uh, people are in general resistant to change and uh, and this is again something we've discussed before but uh, the mm-hmm. fact that you may have an incredible new visualization but it's just that nobody's ready to accept it because they're so mm. used to seeing a standard set of charts standard set of ways uh, mm. mm-hmm. how do you yeah. break that trend and how do you Mm-hmm. make a visualization that you know it makes sense is the best way to consume that information but how do you how do you get that how do you get people to accept because that is the hardest thing i think that uh, when it comes to being creative in this field right yeah 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 of course um first i would say there is not the best way okay <laughs> because every person has different preferences and and different ways of of looking at things so that's actually uh, you might remember in visualization a difficult thing that there's not one right answer and one not right answer it's like a spectrum and things can be more adequate and not so adequate but what you mean i know um what you mean so uh um I'm sorry. Can you repeat? I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, what I was saying was, how do you? How do we? Ha- how do we teach people? Uh, ah, yeah. A new ah, yeah, 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 yeah. New, new visualizations. Exactly. Um, so the first thing is to accept and also see the the reality that innovation, even so, it's so fancy and so cool, is actually something which requires work for uh-huh. the user. Uh-huh. and work for the person who's consuming whatever is innovative. So if we do things different to how we use them in the past, this means the user needs to learn something new. Right. And we are lazy. We don't like to new, learn something new. Uh-huh. So it's kind of um, a trade-off. If you want to do something new because you think it's a better way showing the things in this way, you have to also accept that on the other side there will be more time to understand the new thing it will be uh, it will be an investment for the user to take the time to to make the effort to understand this and the best way to um, to convince that this innovation is good is 
showing the benefit of it. Like, for example, you could, um, you might remember we had a visualization on food search, which was very innovative. And like basically colors were used for year for a numerical yeah, yeah, variable, which is very yeah. uncommon. But the best way to convince people is to show just how many patterns and how many insights you can gain from this visualization once you've understood it. And yeah. you might remember we went then through all the different food patterns and food um, trends in this world. And then suddenly you see, okay, it takes me maybe 10 minutes to understand this visualization. But once I've done it, I can just spend here an hour to get new things, uh, what I can tell a story about. Uh -huh. Or you could make a direct comparison and say this is the old way and in the old way we are able to see this pattern and this pattern yes it's more comfortable but actually with the new one we are able to see this and this and this pattern right. uh, which we are not able to see in the old one so showing the benefit of the innovation and accepting that there will be resistance to innovation there's Absolutely. always always thinking everyone is happy that things are changing is an illusion so it's good <laughs> to be prepared <laughs> yeah best, best to come prepared for all scenarios so um, I actually get uh, get quite a few people who reach out to me asking me about the masters in big data and you know who who even express interest in uh, in these in these fields. So I was just wondering, mm -hmm. what would your advice be for someone who currently knows that they enjoy creating visualizations and enjoy um, you know probably want to explore a career path there? Um, mm -hmm. What would you what would you suggest for how how, how, how can someone go about in uh, probably getting one of those roles that we discussed earlier? You know those roles that mm -hmm. these are creating right now. Yeah, or, I mean, <laughs> there are also some other variables that influence. If you don't need to work for money straight away, <laughs> let's say, it's good to have your own personal project. Uh, okay. I think you learn a lot, a lot when you say, I'm very interested in this topic. Yeah. I will search the data and I will do a visualization project out of this. I think you learn so much when you do something you're really interested uh, on your own. Uh -huh. And uh, and then there are also some agencies yeah, where you can basically, as a freelancer, you can uh, propose your projects. And then uh, if they take them, if they publish them, you get, uh, uh, you get paid for it. Um, of course, you can also go to, to companies and learn uh, like this. Uh -huh. mm, it could be even an interesting way because sometimes you learn like this, you learn uh in a more safe way also you learn the tools you learn the programming languages you learn the way to deal with clients all this kind of knowledge and then you can see if you like it and you stay or you go and do your own thing after uh but but I building a portfolio would be would be the best way to start right? yeah but maybe even as i am thinking now uh, it depends maybe also on the knowledge of the person because if it's a person that has zero knowledge, mm -hmm. maybe it's better to start in a team instead of doing things alone. Right. If you already have a bit of knowledge, like for example, after the master, I think you could have done your own project. Maybe right. with the help of other people, but you were able to do things by yourself. If you uh -huh. are in the beginning, it's overwhelming. Maybe you get lost. Then. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, Sandra, before we tie up the call, I want to quickly mm-hmm. get your uh, get your thoughts on uh, your experience with cryptocurrency and get your quick thoughts on uh, uh, yeah. whether you think someone yeah. should be investing in that right now. And if so, why uh, why it should be Ethereum? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, my interest was not in cryptocurrencies. I'm sorry, uh-huh. my interest was in decentralized and is I'm still in interested blockchain? in this. In decentralization, in right. uh, in systems where uh, power is decentralized, right. and cryptocurrencies is a way of uh, creating um, a value exchange which is decentralized okay. in most of the cases. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not in this field anymore, but not because I'm not interested in it, just because of time reasons at some uh-huh. point. You have to choose, otherwise you have no <laughs> private life if you uh-huh. work in two fields that are very hyped and very a lot to know, learn. So I choose data visualization because it's for me more accessible and more grounded as the blockchain space. And also I didn't like that it became at some point so technical in the blockchain space. Everything uh, was about uh, smart contracts and all this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I still feel, and even nowadays, maybe it's even starting to gain interest again uh-huh. because of the, let's say the world in itself, in itself, our systems are a bit, I think uh, we see that there are some limitations and new generations are maybe trying more openly to to change this or to see that there could be also a different way of having societies and so I think uh, the, the interest in this space will grow again even uh-huh. yeah um, and as far as I'm uh, aware I think Ethereum is still a good a good thing to yeah, to know because the idea is just very amazing and a lot of things are built on top of it yeah yeah so that's I, a, mm-hmm. that's great to hear because i i uh, after listening to some hype last year i went and i invested some and i've just been watching <laughs> crash since then but uh but yes, I, I, I cannot tell you about. I'm not a trader. I don't know the value. I think more the the, the long term potential. Yeah, yeah, there is a huge potential, and yeah. it's like even it's 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 kind of a fact that mm-hmm. we will lead that we will come to a decentralized system at some point, because if you if you think even from your big data background, right. we have even decentralization more and more in technology. And why yeah. do we have this? Because it's so much more efficient. So like, much efficient, um, so much safer as well, right? It's, uh, exactly. Working in networks, you uh-huh. can because at the end of the day, if if even if you think of a company, if everything uh-huh. is decided by one person. Uh-huh. The, the knowledge of this person will will fix everything in this company. But right. if you have a decentralized or a little bit more decentralized system, right? Because fully decentralized is also very difficult to handle. Uh-huh. But if you have a system where you have several um, hubs, what we see also in companies happening more and more, they decentralize the power, they decentralize the decision making because it's more efficient to work in networks is far more um, you can solve problems 
far better if you have a network than right. if you have just one hierarchy and there's one person deciding on everything. Right. Mm, and I could even go further and say nature in itself is decentralized. It's very decentralized and, and very complex, whereas uh -huh. we humans are very complicated. Uh -huh. uh, so looking at nature is also very inspiring, how problems are solved uh, by the system itself. It's very, very inspiring there. And I think we will go more towards this. Uh, but this is a bit, I cannot, you know, I'm not an expert here. It's more my, my, my observation and my knowledge from the past. And no, things that, are changing that, so fast in this space also. Yeah, but that's an amazing way to look at it. I think uh, <laughs> you give a really nice perspective on it, especially comparing it with nature itself. But, uh, mm. but that, uh, that actually brings me to the end of uh, the agenda that I prepared mm. for us. Thank you. Thank you so much for this chat, Sandra. This has been, Thank you. been really, ni really nice to catch up and learn. I'm going to stop the yeah. recording, but please stay on so I can say goodbye to you properly. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes.